Man, I'm excited about uh, what, what we're going to experience today. And uh, if you're here for the first time, we are so honored that you're here. You picked a great day to be here because we're here. Uh, if you came last week, we weren't here. If you come next week, we're not going to be here. And uh, you might be wondering, what's going on? I missed the secret code. Like, we're, here's, here's what we're doing. We're in the midst of this six-month experiment. Last week, we started it. Um, uh, of moving from rows to circles, moving from rows to circles. And so what we've said is, what if church is more than just a service, but church is the community, church is people, church is the gathering of people? Well, then let's do everything we can to help people get to know one another and to experience life with one another. And so we're engaging in this six-month experiment where one week we're going to do a service like this to come be inspired, and then the next week we're going to do uh, groups in homes uh, to be transformed. And so every other week on Sunday morning, we're going to do a service like this here at Skate House, and then the next week we're going to do groups in homes to talk about what we experience this, this past week. So today, we're going we're gonna to uncover some things. We're going to discover some things. We're going to be inspired. And then next week, we're not going to meet here. But instead, the church is going to meet uh, in groups, in homes, to talk about the thing that you heard about today. And then you're going to figure out how do you live that out and, and display that in your life. Uh, and the reason why we're doing this is because we just believe that inspiration happens in rows, what you're sitting in. Transformation happens in circles. When you get around with some other people, you get to hear about their life. You get to share about your life and then talk about how you live out the truth that you heard on Sunday morning. And so last week was our first time experimenting with this. And I was, I was really impressed. We had 62% of our church in groups last week. And so the majority of people were in groups last week. Most of you were in groups last week. That's awesome. Um, but it's not everybody, right? And so our goal by the end of this month... Uh, uh, August, is to have 75% of our church involved in groups. So 62% last week, we want to see 75% this week. And uh, if you have not yet signed up for a group, we're going to have uh, the QR code for our app come up here. And uh, I want to invite you to download our app and sign up for a group. Because if you're not in a group next week, then you're skipping church. What's wrong with you, right? You can't do that. So... Make sure you're in a group because it's not church and groups, church and groups. It's church every single week. Church, 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 just in a different format. So if you're not in a group, make sure you sign up for a group. And our goal is to go from 62% of our church being involved in groups to 75% by the end of this month. Again, most of you are doing it. And if you're uh, not in a group yet, you're in the minority. And I'm using peer pressure to help you take the step to get involved in a group. I actually won't be satisfied till 100% of our church is involved in groups because it's on Sunday morning. You've carved out this time to be in church. So uh, make sure you sign up for a group because we will not be here next week, but we will be here the following week. And you can see all that information. We have um, handouts that we put on your chairs so you can see the schedule uh, all the way up until the end of January. Go ahead and put that on your refrigerator, on your mirror, uh, on your car, windshield, wherever it is, you're going to be able to see that uh, so that you know what the schedule is going to be. You can also see it on our social media. You can see it on our website. Uh, it's all over the place. So uh, that's what we got going on right now, and that's what we got going on next week. Now it is time for a sermon. Are you ready? Good. So my, my life, like I was thinking about my life, my life consists of emails. 
My life consists of, of calories and text messages and Netflix. My, my life consists of family and striving and cleaning and making messes and dreaming and disappointment and hope and dishes and driving and sitting and waiting and working out on Facebook, Instagram, distraction, money, bills, Google, cutting grass, deadlines, vacations, people, friends, haters, thinking about what's for dinner, sex, fear, happiness, anger, vacuuming, gas prices, going to the grocery store, saving, investing, Getting gas, love, episodes of Ozark, Stranger Things, books, date nights, batteries, leadership, giving, worry, Nathaniel Rateliff in the night sweats. Waiting on hold for customer service, light bulbs, pool parties, whiskey, cigars, purpose, vehicle registration renewal, meaning, direction, temptation, failing, victory, naps, weights, church, technology, meals with people, frustration, joy, excitement, oil changes, and all of that just scratches the surface of what my life consists of. And my guess is that as you hear that list, there are some things that your life consists of that overlaps with some of those things. And again, that just scratches the surface. Like I could go on and on and on writing pages and pages and pages of things that my life consists of. And you could do the same exercise. You could write pages and pages and pages of all the things that your life consists of, all the things that you worry about, all the things that you deal with, all the things that you experience in life. And then on top of that, there are over 7 billion people on the planet. And they also could write pages and pages and pages of all the, thing, all the things that their life consists of. I wonder, have you ever stopped to just pause and reflect on how crazy and chaotic and wonderful and awesome and amazing life is. I mean, all the things that we deal with, all the things that our life consists of, all the things that we think about, worry about, dream about, hope about, all the things that we put off, all the things that we shove in the shadows, all the things that our life consists of. Have you ever stopped to just pause and reflect on how amazing all of this is? So, 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 so many things in our lives. And so it's no wonder that we sometimes have trouble figuring out who we are, right? It's no wonder that we sometimes have difficulty trying to figure out life. It's no wonder that there are times where we feel down and defeated, where we feel overwhelmed, where we feel burdened, where we feel weight in our life. It's no wonder that we feel that way because your life consists of so so, 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 so many different things. And I wonder if you ever feel desperate. I wonder if you ever feel overwhelmed because of all the things your life consists of. I wonder if you ever feel hopeless. I wonder if you ever feel like you're just treading water, like you're just barely making it. Maybe you feel like you're drowning. Do you ever feel that way? Maybe you don't feel anything at all. And I don't know if you feel that way now, but you have felt that way. And you will feel that way in life. It, it comes and goes. Like, like this, this is what life can Life is a grind at times. Life is tough. I mean, just pause and reflect on all the things you've been through, all the things you've faced, all the things you're dealing with now, all the things that you're thinking about right now. Just pause and reflect on all. It's, it, it can feel overwhelming when you make a list of it and you look at it all. 
And I think if I were to ask you what you want most in life, you'd probably say a million bucks, probably a billion. You might say a new house, new car, new, I don't know. But if, if you really got down to the root of it, like the foundation of it, the, 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 the base of your life, what, what's something you, you want most in your life? I think, I think most of us would say one of the things that we want most for ourselves is peace. Peace. We want peace. The, the, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Let me hear you say shalom. shalom. Yeah, and this, this idea of shalom, of peace, is this wholeness. Peace is, is, this, is this understanding that, that everything in life is good even when everything in life is not good. Peace is, peace is everything is right with the world even though everything is not right with the world. Peace is even though there's this storm that's surging all around me, I'm in the eye of the storm. I'm, on, I'm in this calm middle section where everything is calm and slow. There's peace. There's a storm raging all around me, but I have calm and peace. Peace is... And this is what we want, isn't it? I mean, if you make a list of all the things that your life consists of, all the different things that you think about, worry about, stress over, all the things that you carry with you. The thing I think, I believe that you want most in your life is peace, peace. And it's not that the chaos goes away. It's not that the problems are gone. It's not that everything gets easier. It's in the midst of all of that. I have peace, I have peace, I have peace. That's the thing I want, I believe it's the thing you want. And what's amazing to me is that you and I can actually have it. Like have you ever felt that? Have you ever experienced that? Just, <sighs> while everything else is crashing around you, peace. Peace. We can have that, and I know that we can have that. The reason why I know we can have that is because Jesus had that. There, there, there was this moment in Jesus' ministry where he once said this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, there's a constant prayer of mine. God, help me live freely and lightly. I wanna live freely and lightly. It doesn't mean I'm on vacation all the time. It doesn't mean I'm relaxing in a hammock all the time. But when everything is going crazy all around me, God, still help me to live freely and lightly. This is what I want. And I know somebody who had it, it's Jesus. See, Jesus was 100% um, man, 
and 100% God. Jesus was God in the flesh. Colossians chapter two, verse nine tells us that. It says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And so Jesus was 100% human. He was also 100% God. And being 100% human, Jesus could have made a list of all the things that his life consisted of, all the stresses, all the worries, all the things of life. He experienced life to the full like you and I. So he knew what it was like to have all these things to try and manage and deal with and sort through. But he was also 100% God. And so he saw things differently. He experienced things differently. And one of the things that we see Jesus have in his life, despite the demands on his time, despite the weight and the responsibility that he had, is that Jesus had peace. And because Jesus had peace, he can offer it to us. And that's what he says in Matthew 11. If, if, if you're weary, if you're burdened, come follow me and I'll teach you how to live freely and lightly. Jesus offers us the peace that he carries. And he actually shows us how to have this peace in our own life. And today, my hope, my goal is to help you leave with peace. And not just leave with peace, but to leave with a tool that you can use all throughout this week so that you can experience peace every single day in your life. And the, the answer for how we get peace is found in the title for the sermon. Heaven, kingdoms, earth, bread, soul, freedom. And so we're gonna look at this tool, but, but before we do this and, and figure out how we have peace, I need to let you know, at the end of this sermon, your problems aren't gonna go away, all right? They're still gonna be there. The chaos is not gonna dissipate. It's still gonna be there. The things you're facing are not gonna evaporate. They're still gonna be there. But you're gonna have a different mindset. You're gonna have a different outlook. You're gonna have a different posture from which to approach those things so that even in the midst of all those things, you can still have peace. And so Jesus teaches us how to have this Peace, and I want to take a look at how he shows us that in this event that took place 2,000 years ago. We find in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. So real quick, I just want to pause right here, and it says that, that Jesus was in a certain place praying. Now, so, so Jesus is not in any place. Jesus is not in his car praying. He's not in the shower praying. He's not going out and about praying, but he's in a certain place, and he's praying. And I want to be clear, uh, praying in your car, th there's nothing wrong with that. Praying in the shower, there's nothing wrong with that. Praying throughout your day, there's nothing wrong with any of that. And sometimes the only solitary place, if you have kids, that you can find is in the shower. And so that might need to be where you pray. Sometimes that is not even a solitary place if you have kids, right? But it said that Jesus was in a certain place and he was praying. He was in a certain place. See, it's fine. Maybe, maybe you're somebody who would say, I, I pray throughout the day. I talk to God all throughout the day. And that's fine and that's good. But, but I want to point out that when Jesus prayed, he was in a certain place. And being in a certain place is different than being in any place. Because being in a certain place requires intentionality. Being in a certain place means that I need to get alone. I need to get away. From, from everything else that's going on and I need to stop and listen. Being in a certain place is this. So I wanna help us get in a certain place right now. 
we're going to do this Quaker practice called centering down. So I want to invite you, just go ahead and close your eyes. Nobody's going to steal your wallet, it's okay. I want to invite you to close your eyes and focus on your breathing. Take a deep breath in. And then breathe out. Yeah, do that again. Just continue to do that. As you become aware of your breathing, become aware of your surroundings, become aware of the air on your skin, are you cold, are you hot, are you just right? Become aware of the noises in the room, the air condition blowing. And begin to become aware of your body. Are you clenching your jaw? Is your tongue at the roof of your mouth? Are you shaking your leg? Is there any tightness or soreness in your body? And just become fully relaxed. As you focus on your breathing, you're aware of your surroundings, you're aware of your body. I want to invite you to be fully present here and now. Don't think about what happened earlier or what will happen later, but become fully present here and now in this moment. Do you know where you are? You're in a certain place now. This is the certain place. Jesus was in a certain place while he was praying. So this week, if you're on your couch, your reading nook, your dining room table, your bed, wherever you are, I want to invite you. You got to do this early in the morning. Do it, do it before your day begins. Get in a certain place. And this is where prayer begins. You can open your eyes. And we got to get this. We got to get this. Because the context, the, the environment is crucial to the outcome. The environment is crucial to the outcome because a tool that I'm about to give you is a tool you've probably heard before. It's a tool you probably have in your possession. It's a tool you can probably recite, but you're not experiencing the peace that you long for because just like a key that accesses a door, you haven't been taught how to use that key to access the door of peace so that it can be yours as you go throughout the day. But it begins with the environment. Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and he said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, well, this is how you should pray. And so what we see here is that one of Jesus' followers sees that there's something different about Jesus. They see there's something different about, Jesus has peace in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of the storm. There's something different about Jesus. And he sees it in his prayer life. And so he goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And I find it fascinating that Jesus doesn't say, teach you how to pray. I don't need to teach you how to pray. 
Prayer is just talking to God, so do that. Now, now prayer is talking to God. Prayer is pouring out your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts and, and your hopes and dreams and desires. Prayer is giving praise to God. Prayer is sitting in silence and solitude with God. Prayer is all of that. But Jesus, when the guy asks him, can you teach me how to pray? He doesn't say, I don't need to teach you how to pray. He says, okay, here's how you should pray. And he teaches him. And this prayer that Jesus teaches him, this five-sentence prayer, is a prayer that changes everything. This is the pathway towards peace that we long for. And this, and this prayer that we see Jesus teach is, is a prayer that touches every area of life. These five sentences touch every area of life. The dreams, work, calories, stress, family, sandwiches, tire pressure, purpose, value, our past, present, future, insecurity, work, marriage, desire, success, money, goals, school, all of it. Everything that you could list out for pages and pages, everything over 7 billion people in the world could list out for pages and pages, all that life consists of is touched by this five-sentence prayer. And here's what he says. Here's how you pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Here, here's how Matthew, one of Jesus' followers, recorded this prayer. He said it this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us, rescue us, rescue us from the evil one. See, this right here, this five-sentence prayer is the key to the peace that we long for. It's right here. And, and again, some of you know this prayer. Some of you could recite this prayer. Some of you have had to recite this prayer as punishment. But this is the key to peace. But so often we don't experience the peace that we long for. I think it's because we misuse or mishandle or don't understand how to use this tool to get the peace that we long for. And so I wanna, I wanna show us how to use this tool here and now. Jesus begins the prayer this way. He says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. First, before we move on, I wanna get us back in that certain place. So just close your eyes and take a breath and focus on your breathing in and out. In and out. See, even just this practice of centering down, of getting in a certain place, don't you feel more peace already? Just stopping and breathing and becoming aware and being present, don't you feel? Yeah, the groceries have to get bought, the house has to get clean, things need to get packed, the yard needs to get cut. Yeah, the, the, the pool chemicals are out of whack and out of balance, and you'll get to it. But as you just breathe, don't you feel more peace? So we get in a certain place, and then Jesus says this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Real quick, I want to point out the language that Jesus uses here. He says, our Father in heaven. As you read through the prayer, what you'll see is that the language Jesus uses is a communal language. And so it's us and our and we. None of it is me and my and I. When Jesus teaches us to pray, he's teaching us to pray already like, like assuming that we're in this together. 
This is a communal prayer. And so what Jesus teaches us in this prayer is that your faith with God is not just your faith with God. Sometimes people say that, well, it's just me and God. No, that's not true. That's not what Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us that it's me and God and us and we, all of us together, our Father in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. Do do you see the language here? It's not forgive me my sins as I give me my bread as I, no. Us, we, our, we are in this together. And that's why you cannot be a Christian and say, I can be a Christian and not be part of a church. No, you can't. There's so many things wrong with that because sometimes what we think is that it's just my faith, me and God, it's just us. No, it's us and we. And Jesus teaches us this in this prayer. There's so many things wrong with that statement. First, if you are a Christian, you are the church. You're part of the church. You're part of the body. And so if you say, I can be a Christian and not be part of a church, that doesn't even make sense. Because you are the church. Together, collectively, we are the church. And the church is not a building. The church is not a place. The church is not a service. The church is a gathering of people on mission, which is a movement. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you join his church globally. And one of the things that we say is, well, I can be a Christian and, and, and I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Yeah, right, but that doesn't make sense either because you can't go to something you are. You are the church. When we showed up this morning, we didn't come to church. We brought the church to the building. When we show up in group homes next week, which you're going to sign up for if you're not already in it because we've got to get 75% of our church involved. When you go to the house in the group, you're bringing the church to the house. You don't go to something you are. You just are. And also, if you're a Christian and you're not connected, plugged in to the local church, you miss out on one of the greatest tools God has to offer because you're surrounded by people who are dealing with the same stuff you are who have lists of things that life consists of, and you're doing it alone. But when we get together, when we connect, when we get to know one another's names, when we share one another's stories, when we, when we support and encourage and challenge one another, oh, this is when life really begins. So Jesus teaches us this prayer, and he uses this communal language, our, us, we, not, my, me, our, ah. Uh. Do you see how self-centered that is, too? God, forgive me, my sin. What about everybody else? Let's do this together because you're not in this alone. And so here's what we see in the opening. Our Father, our Father, just that right there, our Father. When we pray this prayer, we realize that we are coming into the presence of our Father. And for some of you, you hate that. Because the word father conjures up all kinds of negative connotations for you. I don't know what you think of when you think of father. I don't know how your father was. Maybe when you hear the word father, you think absent, abusive. Maybe for you, when you think of father, it's, it's loving, it's caring, it's strong. I don't know. But whatever negative connotations you have that are attached to that word father... I want to let you know that God is your heavenly father, your perfect, loving heavenly father. And none of the negative connotations can be attached to him. 
Because God as your Father loves you for who you are and not as you should be, because none of us are as we should be. When we say this, our Father, we're coming into the presence of our Father who calls us up into his lap and he wraps his strong arms around us, he embraces us. When we say our Father, we know, oh, I am the apple of my Father's eye. I'm his delight, he cherishes me. He knows me inside and out, my faults, flaws, and failures, and yet he looks me in the eye and smiles because I'm his son. You're his daughter. And he accepts you and embraces you and loves you for who you are. Our Father, our Father, do you see all of a sudden, when you get in that certain place and you crawl up into the lap of your heavenly Father and he embraces you and you say, our Father, do you see how the insecurity just melts away? The need to perform, the need to get it right all the time, the feeling like a failure, our Father, oh, I'm just loved and embraced and cherished. You have a heavenly Father who looks at you and says, you are good enough. You have what it takes. Just coming to these two words, our Father, changes everything. Do you see how the peace begins to seep in? Jesus says, our Father, holy is your name. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Our Father in heaven, who's holy. You know, the James Webb Space Telescope was launched Christmas Day 2021, uh, and it was aimed at the farthest reaches of space. It was focusing on portions of the universe, sometimes as small as a grain of rice, to reveal images like this. Maybe. We'll see. But it was aimed at images like Stefan's Quintet. And there are, these are five galaxies with, that are in a cluster together. I don't even know if I can explain it to you right. Are we able to get that image? Right on. But these are five galaxies with one on the left hand in the foreground residing about 40 million light years from Earth. And then the other four are caught up in a cosmic dance about 290 million light years away, which apparently is fairly close in cosmic terms compared with more distant galaxies that are billions of light years away. And by the way, a light year is just under six trillion miles. And so these galaxies, billions of trillions of miles away. This, this image is, is called the cosmic cliffs, this next one. And we can bring the lights down. This is a region uh, that is actually at the edge of a gigantic gaseous cavity, roughly 7,600 light years away. It's six trillion times 7,600 miles away. And the cavernous 
area has been carved from the nebula by the intense ultraviolet radiation and stellar winds from extremely massive, hot, young stars located in the center of the bubble above the area shown in this image. The high energy radiation from these stars is sculpting the nebula's wall by slowly eroding it away. And then there's this image. This is the furthest image from the Webb telescope. It shows thousands of galaxies. We live in a solar system that is in a galaxy, the Milky Way. This shows thousands of galaxies bound together by gravity in a galaxy cluster. They're bending the light from galaxies that appear in the vast distance behind them. The combined mass of the galaxies and dark matter act as a cosmic telescope, creating magnified, contorted, and sometimes mirrored images of individual galaxies. And this image is not of the entire night sky, but it's of only a portion that's the size of a dime if you were to hold your hand out. It's just that small portion of the sky. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from night, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, and it was so. He also made the stars. And God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. The point here in this first line of the prayer is we're reminded of how big God is. And you come before your heavenly Father, our Father in heaven, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the galaxies that are billions of light years away, our Father in heaven. Oh, do you see how awesome he is? Do you see how big he is? Do you see how great he is? Do you see how powerful he is? Do you see how strong he is? That he created it all with a word, and God said. And so now, when you come before God, with all the things on the list that your life consists of, all these things that are worrying you and stressing you, all the problems that are in front of you, everything that's mounting itself against you. Oh, when you come before this God who is great and big and massive and powerful and holy, all of it seems to fade away. Like that mountain is a molehill now. That, that, that thing in front of you, that thing that's causing you stress, the chaos all around you. Oh, when you sit in the presence of God, your heavenly Father, who created all things with just the words spoken, do you see how powerful he is? And that thing that's worrying you isn't worrying him. The thing that's got you stressed out isn't stressing him out. He's bigger than all of it. And here's the thing, he's your father. He's your father. You have a connection to him. And so all the things of life, all the worry, the stress, the chaos, the ah, oh, it all just melts in his presence. God is big and amazing, bigger than anything you're facing. 
so you can march forward. You can overcome. You can conquer. You can have victory. You can triumph. Our Father in heaven, you see how big he is? Holy is your name. Holy is your name. Oh, and God is holy. God is holy. God is holy. God is set apart. God is greater than anything we could ever imagine. God is beyond our imagination. God is holy. And so what that means is that when you come to speak with God, you're speaking to your Father. You can have that intimacy. He wraps you up. He says, you're mine. I call you by name. You're my child. I love you. But he's holy as well. So you're not going to God like he's your buddy. Hey, what's up, God? He's holy. Oh, and in his presence, as you think about how big and awesome and amazing he is, as you think about how set apart he is, how free of sin he is, how perfect he is, it should cause you to just shudder. Maybe lose your breath a bit because you are in the presence of the one who spoke all things into existence. Oh, and yet he calls you his son and his daughter. How great is that? Do you see, that's just the first line of the prayer. This is the first line. We got another two hours to go. No, this is the first line of the prayer though. Right here, you just pray that one line. You get in a certain place, become aware, stop, slow down your breathing, become aware of your body, become aware, be present. You pray this one line of the prayer, all of a sudden peace invades your life. But Jesus goes on, and he says this, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Translation, may this world look more like your heavenly kingdom. May this world look like heaven. God, I wanna live the life of heaven here and now. I wanna experience it now. I don't wanna wait until I die to experience heaven. I wanna experience it now. So may your will, may your heavenly kingdom come crashing to earth in my life. And so this is the part of the prayer where it's saying, God, help me live in a way where I bring bits and pieces of heaven here to earth. And so what does the kingdom of heaven look like? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's confidence, it's security. So as we pray this, God, help me to live love today. Help me to have peace today. Help me to have confidence and security today. Help me to live this way. What you do is you shift the outcome of your day when you pray this line. Let me live in such a way where I bring bits and pieces of heaven here to earth so that when people see me, they see my life, they say, I want what you got. Help me live my life in such a way so that when heaven one day comes crashing here to earth, there won't be much adjustment that needs to be done because I'm already living the life of heaven here and now. You can do that. When you pray, God, let my life be a reflection of your kingdom. It's a reminder that you're living for something more, that you're a citizen of a different kingdom. And that shapes the way you live. That shapes how you act, shapes how you treat people, shapes how you treat yourself. Let my life look more like heaven. Heaven, kingdoms, earth. Give us today the bread that we need. So we began with God, our Father in heaven, vast, big, awesome, created all things. And now here we are, give us the bread that we need. Let's just know God cares even about the small things, even about the details, even about do you have enough bread for today?
So God is big, mass, uh, massive, amazing, enormous, but God also cares about the small things in your life. So you can bring them to him because he wants to make sure you have enough bread. And then it's in this moment that we realize, oh yeah, everything I have comes from God. So then we don't take it for granted. Everything I have comes from you, God, so I won't take it for granted. And then we begin to look around and say, okay, do I have enough bread? If I have enough bread, do others have enough bread? And if they don't, how can I give some of my bread to them? And we're not talking about just bread, but what resources can I use? How can I be generous? How can I give to help others? This line here lets us know God cares about the details, the small parts of your life, but also everything you have comes from God. And then if you have what you need, are there people who don't? And how can you help them? Spurs you on to generosity. Forgive us as we forgive others. Here's the point in the prayer. Jesus says, hey, forgive us in the same way we forgive other people. How many of you want to pray that? God, would you forgive me just like I forgive others? No thanks. Because if God forgave me like I forgive others, there'd be a limit to his forgiveness. If God forgave me like I forgave others, he'd be like, I don't know if I'm fully forgiven. What this part in the prayer, forgive us as we forgive others, is a challenge to us. It's a reminder of grace. See, grace is getting the opposite of what we deserve. And God has given you the opposite of what you deserve. He's given you grace. He's given you forgiveness. So, hey, you don't have to beat yourself up over that anymore. You don't have to live in that shame anymore. You don't have to wear those chains anymore. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. That thing that's plaguing you right now as you came into those doors, you can leave and it's not plaguing you anymore if you understand you've been forgiven. Now, the way to be forgiven is by accepting Jesus, believing that he died for you on the cross, that he rose again from the dead, deciding to follow him, give him your life, and then be baptized into him. And if you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, to be baptized into him, you have not been forgiven. You're still dead in your sin. But God offers you that forgiveness and he wants you to follow him. And that can be yours today. If you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus on our app, there's a connect form. It's also a baptism form. I wanna invite you to fill that out. Let us know and we wanna to talk to you about getting baptized and making the decision to follow Jesus. You can stop by the connect area. Let them know, hey, how do I fill out this baptism form? And they'll help you out with that as well. But if you've been baptized into Christ, if you've decided to follow him, then you are forgiven. And you don't have to live with that anymore. So this reminds us of God's grace that we've been forgiven. Um, but it's also a challenge for us. God, would you forgive us in the same way we forgive others? If you hear that and you think, I don't know if I like that, I don't know if I could do that, you've just identified a growth opportunity for you. Because if you hear that and you're like, oh, no way, I could never, then, then what it means is that you don't say, oh, no, I could never, and then just leave it at that. You say, what needs to change in my heart so I become more forgiving? What needs to change in me so I let down the grudge, so I get rid of the bitterness, so I overcome the anger? Right, it's a growth opportunity now. This is a challenge every single day. God, forgive me in the same way that I forgive other people. And if you pray that and you're like, ooh, that stings, I don't really like that, then it shows you, I got some more work to do today. Because I wanna live a life of forgiveness. I wanna live a life that's free of bitterness and holding grudges. 
So forgive me as I forgive others. So we have heaven, kingdoms, earth, bread, soul, and then finally, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. God, help me be free from temptation and help me not give in to sin. Rescue me, free me. Let me say no to the things that are trying to drag me down because the truth is this, you and I are in a war. We're in a battle. You have an enemy who's trying to take you out. He wants to take you out. He wants to take your family out. He wants to take everyone you love out and he will stop at nothing to try and get you down and defeated and dead. Like, you have an enemy who is attacking you. But so often, we go through life. You got to prepare for war. You got to get ready for a battle. And the way that your enemy attacks you is by eroding your soul slowly, little by little, so you barely even notice. It's the small things. It's the things you don't think are a big deal. He wants to take you out. And so in this prayer, you're saying, God, help me say no to temptation and rescue me from the evil one. And so what I'm going to do as I'm beginning my day, as I'm preparing for war, is I'm going to suit up. I'm going to put on the armor. I'm going to get ready for battle. And so then from this prayer, you pray Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you want peace in the midst of this life and all that it comes with it, Jesus gives us the answer in this prayer. Get in a certain place. Heaven. Kingdoms. Earth, bread, soul, freedom. Oh, yeah, there it is. Begin to pray this prayer, and peace will invade. And I want to point out as I close this prayer is not you asking God to do something in your life. This prayer really is a reminder for you to live out what God is calling you to do. See, Jesus says when you pray, you remember that God is bigger than what you're facing, so don't worry. When you pray that first line, you remember that God is bigger than what you're facing, so you don't have to worry, and this is how you have peace. You pray that God would give you the strength and boldness to live the life of heaven here and now. If you're living the life of heaven here and now, you know what you'll have? Peace. You be reminded of what you have, knowing everything comes from God and he cares about the small things and live with open hands, making sure others have the essentials as well. In this way, you'll be free from worry and you know what you'll have? Peace. You know that you're forgiven. And because you're forgiven, you forgive others. You refuse to hold grudges. Instead, you give love and forgiveness. You provide peace for others and peace for your very soul. 
You say, you say no to what you know isn't God's best for you and you prepare for war so that after you fought and won, you can live in freedom, which brings peace. This prayer is all about us living differently and when we live differently because of this prayer, we will have peace. So as we close, I wanna invite you to get in that certain place again. Just breathe deep, in and out. And now we're gonna read this together. Let's read this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Here's my hope that tomorrow when you wake up, you get in a certain place and you pray this prayer slowly and see if you don't have peace tomorrow. And then do it again on Tuesday. And then do it again on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and then Sunday show up for a group because we're gonna talk about this some more. You want peace? Now you know how to get it.